Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that tries not to touch other people in the balls under any circumstances. This week on Heart and Hand, Mon the Cum Dog! So, welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by two of the finest that we can bring to the Heart and Hand table. First up, uh, if he's not taking jobs abroad, he's in here firing off truth bombs, it's Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening, David. Good evening, everyone out there in cyberspace. And it's without doubt, uh, I, I would say the kind of the, the modern equivalent of Scott when it comes to crazy opinions, but far more talented and better looking, it's Mr Alex Staff. Hi there, David. Hi there, Ian. How are we doing, gentlemen? We are, uh, I think, all in good fettle this week, lads. The Rangers continued to put together a, a decent winning streak going into the Old Firm match with their sixth successive victory. Been a while, away <laughs> since we can quote those kind of stats. Um, by beating Falkirk 4-1 in the Scottish Cup, Jason coming for the hat-trick and an own goal from... Uh, uh, What's his name? Muirhead, who we will come to later for other matters. Muirhead, of course, kind of spammed in. The nearest you'll get to an own goal, I think, that can be scored by an opposition player, if that makes sense. Alex, you said in your match report for Rangers, what is it, Rangers News UK? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that although there were some good performances, there was only really one shout for man of the match. And I must admit, it being you, I was going into it thinking, he's going to have picked Bruno Alves, isn't he? But no, you had in fact played a, a conventional straight bat and gone for uh, Jason Cummings, who I thought had an absolutely superb 90 minutes. Yeah, he played pretty well. And that's not, I mean, even if you took away his goals, he still had a, a pretty good game, I thought, and especially playing slightly out of position on the left hand side. I remember Ellis swapped over quite well. If he hadn't scored the goals, I might have been more tempted to give it to Greg Dockery. But. Um, yeah, certainly he was. He was certainly up there as one of the top performers, even uh, taking away the goals. And by the way, can I just say his first goal mm. was an absolute belter that I don't think gets or hasn't quite got a lot of credit so far. That was a cracking finish. I think you could say the same about the second because the touch not only controls it but it brings it round. You know, it, like from the wing into the position where he needs it, and then he just passes it perfectly into the corner of the net. They're two absolutely superb finishes. If the guy doesn't make the own or doesn't score the own goal, but his only other option is to make a miraculous clear. You know, it would be an absolute top draw clearance. Then Cummings was there to put it away, and excellent striking play to follow up and get on the end of it. I thought Hoggy that. His work rate impressed me because uh, I think I've mentioned before when when he was signed and you know Hibs fans were going going kind of tonto on social media. A comment that came up a lot was, "Oh, you guys will hate him because he's such a lazy bastard." He doesn't look like a lazy bastard. 
No, it really, uh, it, it really put the shift in. First, first and foremost, a uh, we a uh, we mentioned for our first six match winning streak since 1978, or at least it feels like it. <laughs> uh, and. Cummings, I thought was it was it was excellent. He was industrious, and his touch and his finish was just natural. And it was just you know it's almost he's, he's doing it unconsciously. It's just what he does. What really impressed me, however, was for all Morelos had, let's face it, a bit of a stinker in front of goal. The pair of them are a pair of greedy bastards. Mm. I actually think that bodes well for us. Um, Morelos and a bit of a stinker and Cummings is there just almost expecting the mess up and the, his third goal was was the kind of obvious example of that he's the first two off the keeper and he gets his hat-trick whereas you know previously it's Morelos there that's 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 waiting on the mistake so it's it's um, really encouraging performance yesterday not top draw by any manner of means uh, I thought Tavernier also was superb again mm. on the right-hand side. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Doherty was excellent. Uh, Alves was interesting. And um, I, I think all in all, it bodes well going into the small matter of the, the game against the Wii team next week. People like a debate and they're going to get one later on. Um, there's one that I genuinely can't make my mind up about so I will be looking to both of you for a bit of guidance more than anything else but there's one other when we come to look at the team that may take to the field next week but um, interesting first half as I say Rangers never really looked like not winning the match and got the goal of course conceded very scrappy let's be honest bit of a fluke equaliser but then 28 seconds later we're back in the lead 3-1 at half time the game was done and dusted there was never the feel of there was going to be a cup shock and I think that anyone who Alex hadn't seen us they'd been away three months working or in prison that was something that used to happen at my primary school when people's dads were you know people the kind of rough kids their dads were working on the rigs like for 6 to 12 yeah I, yeah. Don't, I don't think so but if, if anyone had, had seen us in the run up to Christmas and then buggered off and came back we look like a completely different team, not only in the football we're playing, which is significantly better, but the way that they carry themselves, their attitude, their... I, I don't know, I mean, it's hard to put into words. Body language is an over overanalyzed aspect, but there's just something different about them that you maybe can't identify, but you can see. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, you can see there's a bit more confidence in a lot of them. Um and the actions and things like they're willing to pass to each other even when the other player's under a bit of pressure Yeah. because they've got confidence not only in themselves but in their teammates now I don't think was there you know as what was two months ago three months ago sorry so <clears throat> there's that at least I think I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong David have I heard you saying in the past that of all the kind of styles of football and teams that you enjoyed watching if you had a choice to make Rangers into a certain type of team, you would have had them like Alec Ferguson's Real Madrid, not Alec Ferguson's Man United, sorry, when they had Ronaldo, Tevez, Rooney. Yeah, but just the I mean, my favourite style of football is the, the best Ferguson teams, which that one, or he had one in the mid 90s um, where they had guys, I think it was like um, Keenan Ince in midfield, and they had Kinchelskis and Sharp and Giggs, you know, were, were the three wingers that would, would interchange. Um, I, I love see fast, direct, attacking football where it's not long ball uh, or any anywhere close to it, but it's all about getting forward, working hard, making runs, great passing, beating a man to create space. I, look, I admire teams that can play wonderful possession football. It's just not my you know not my favourite. I like teams that can go from one end of the park to another with four or five wonderful passes. Um, that's why I love to see the fourth goal against Hamilton a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I just absolutely adored. Or uh, Josh Windass's goal against St Johnson. That's my kind of football. Yeah, yeah. And even if you look at Josh Windass's goal against St Johnson, if you look at the build up before that, yeah. we've actually kept possession a little bit. But then all of a sudden it's just bang. You know, one, two passes, you're through. 
Patrick Thistle, Josh Windass, he's the goal, the first goal. Three or four passes were up the other end of the park. It's definitely a tactic. You can see it a mile away. We're looking to play that way. And even, um, sorry, even Cummings' hat-trick goal yesterday was came from Windass breaking away, squaring Morelos, who should have scored, and then Cummings followed in. All very quick. It seems to me that it's not just um, it's not just a confidence thing. It's not just that they're playing a bit better. They've now been given a, an actual game plan. You know, mm. they've been given a directive, and it's a bit easier for a player like Windass, for example, at plays to his strengths. When we win that ball back, you run Forest. You know what I mean? That's exactly <laughs> what it's like. Oh, that comparison's valid on so many levels. Um, no, you're right, and it's almost like the team is beginning to have an identity after. Really, I mean, Warburton had an identity. I don't think, I don't think he achieved it, but I could see what he wanted it to be. I don't think anyone could deny that they didn't know what that Rangers team was supposed to be. But I think that under Pedro, I never got the impression, or I couldn't see any form of visible identity being built. He spoke well and he spoke a lot about things that sounded interesting, but very rarely did they translate onto the field in a coherent fashion. Whereas, yes, I can see what you're saying with this Rangers team. And it is a tactic about using what we we have and, and not worrying about what we don't. And again, then, just to further it, and I'll, I'll let Alex finish off his point here because he made it, but then straight on to you, Hoggy. The signings, Alex, for the first time in a long time, and even Warburton, who, as stated, had a philosophy, didn't seem to do this. The signings fit that profile, then, of powerful, direct, decent technically, but maybe not technical marvels. If you look at guys like Doherty, he fits that because he box to box, he can drive. Goss, he passes, but he's a he's like Michael Carrick in a way. You know, he he likes to pass through teams and quickly and forward a lot. He's not a a knitter together in midfield, really. Sean Goss, he can do that, but he's looking to get you on the front foot. You've got Cummings, whose pace likes to get and likes to get a shot away. It's as if for once, Alex, we've actually signed players to fit something we are trying to do. Yeah, and that's been the most exciting thing about the January transfers is that they've all done that. You know, we we had to see it in action before we could really appreciate it. But, you know, obviously you mentioned all the players there and Murphy's the same as well in an attacking sense. It's just all, it's direct, it's intelligent. You know, there's intelligence there, but they're not overplaying, they're not doing anything too, too complicated. It's still very good when it works. But it's not overly complicated, like you know, like Warburton system probably was really. Mm. Um, you know, just a bit too much. It was for um, the guys that were playing. Trying to play through teams, you know. Mm. Um, whereas uh, Graham Murray's obviously just decided, right? Okay, we're not even going to give teams time to set up defensively. But we win that ball back. It's going forward straight away. Um, and it's not. You're right. It's not a long ball or anything like that. But it's. Uh, you can see the evidence in the goals that we're scoring that it's it's having a, a good effect. Hoggy. Um, a wee wry smile on my face there, David, when you talked about my pal Mark Warburton yes. and his identity. I think uh, the, the, the year of the snake springs to mind. Um, <laughs> moving on from that, however, the, 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 the two things on um, identity and game plan and confidence. The total embodiment of all of that just now is Josh Windass, maybe except when he's on Twitter. Um, when he's on the football park three months ago, Windass would consciously or unconsciously hide when the going got tough. Um, it was because he had so little confidence and because he just he, he wasn't getting it. He, the performances weren't coming. Now, even when he's playing poorly, and he's maybe had a couple of poor games in the past you know, six or seven, he's never hiding. He's always shown for the ball. It's not always coming off. But he always wants it and he's always trying to link up the play. There's the embodiment of this side over the past couple of months. Um, and then add to that the, the kind of fast directness, the, the, the going forward. You're right, all the players just fit now. And is it any surprise that the players fit when we're playing them broadly in their natural preferred positions? It's been the first time in quite a long time that we've seen that. Players playing natural positions and, lo and behold, we're playing fast-flowing football. Um, 
And I guess the last thing I'd say on it, David, is for the support watching it, hands up anyone who hasn't enjoyed the last six games. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be... Anyone who, who's... You can pick folks in it, absolutely, but anyone who hasn't overall enjoyed it because, as I say, we look at winning games, we expect to win them, and we do, and we score goals, and I don't really know what else you can ask for from a Rangers team. Uh, just when we're talking about Warburton, as a, a little aside, now we all watch the games back, of course, and Sky's commentary yesterday was David Weir. Did either of you hear David Weir? Comms? I watched I watched it back uh, late last night, David, and I, I felt like hitting mute. Jesus, the Reverend I am jolly. I mean, what a fucking boring bastard Davy Weir was. And it just made me think about, can you imagine him and Warburton trying to give the Any Given Sunday speech? <laughs> the, last, the last week, I was, sorry, sorry, I was, I was falling asleep there. It reminded me of the most boring priest in the world. You know, the guy with a voice like that. It, it was like that. Um Obviously, no longer a favoured son of Rangers. Uh, we'll see what the future brings for Davy Weir. But and, uh, oh. and, and everything during the commentary was blah 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 blah, <laughs> and that and that was very good. <laughs> oh my, choose a different phrase. However, still better than Andy Walker. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I damning him by faint praise. Yes, and I know, but I'll take incremental. Improvement, you know, in all honesty. But I, I, I was watching. I'm like, Jesus Christ, he's gonna. Cause you're tired anyway. Watching it later, and then, yeah, I thought, uh, Davy, we are maybe not built for a career in in co-coms. That's that's all I'm saying. So it's opened up, obviously, uh, a few selection dilemmas. We're just about to come to those. But before we do, let's have our weekly chat about referees, because. In the first half, just before Falkirk score, they have a free kick and there's some jostling in the box, which you know you come to expect. And David Weir suddenly goes to the ground holding his balls. David, David, David Weir. David, sorry. David Bates. Sorry, Rangers centre half. David Bates. <laughs> yeah, David, David Weir <laughs> fell to the ground holding his balls. Luckily, he was in the commentary box and and he was able to recover. Um, but David Bates fell to the ground clutching clutching his George Dawes. And the referee, Craig Thompson, runs over and books the the the, the defender, Muirhead, the full cup defender. The, the the thing's shown back and Muirhead has a swing and looks as though he sort of flicks, definitely connects, flicks our boy in the nuts. Alex, how is that a yellow card? This is this is the question that I think is fair to ask. It's not like we're being, um, you know, paranoid here or anything like that. You know, any of that nonsense. That's now two incidents in two games, both involving Bates. Where the referee must have seen something, or he doesn't book a player. Mm. Yeah, what he's seen is surely a red card defence. Surely, in both occasions, it is. So I, I just don't. I, I'd love to know their justification for only giving a yellow both times. Um, and especially on Sunday, because you know, come on, come on. If if you can't sympathise, if you can't think to yourself, that's definitely offside, man. You've got to go for that when somebody punches somebody in the balls. Then, then really, what, what have you got to do? <laughs> Get yourself sent off. Well, Muirhead, yeah. Muirhead said afterwards that he had just flicked him to try and get it away. All of us know how painful a flick in the balls is. A flick in the balls is ludicrously sore. It can end up actually making you puke, and. As you say, any man who who allows that on another man, that's just wrong. You should be able to afflict him in the boys. You fucking bastard. You know, do you know how much nausea that can cause? That's really offside. Just don't go for another man's balls. Is it that difficult to 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 realize? I've managed to get through life without grabbing people's balls. And I've played football and it never occurred to me. I'm gonna grab his balls. I just didn't do it. But even at that, joking aside the thing is, Hoggy, it's not about how much contact you made. We're told this over and over again. It's intent. We're told that. And and I think we've we've got our head round it as, as even old fashioned football fans that tackles don't need to, you know, get the guy. It's it's if you go in dangerously, you'll be off. You can get the ball and still be sent off. What other intent is there with that if you're swinging your arm into somebody's midriff? Those those past two games that we've had, 
Um, but for a St. Johnson defender, take a swinging boot at poor David Bates, Ginger Buzz, um, and maybe not quite connect, but he's taken a swinging boot and he gets booked. So the referee has seen him boot David Bates and it's a booking for violent conduct, which is a sending off every day of the week. And Muirhead can say, I only tried to flick him in the balls. He takes a fucking swing at him and he connects and Bates is down and his poor ginger nuts have got it again. Um, there is an element of humour, clearly, because it's his balls. Someone, someone else getting hit in the balls is funny. But in all seriousness, there's another case of violent conduct that the referee, a different referee, has seen and he produces a yellow card. So the question to both refs is, why are you not sending players off for violent conduct? And the second question is then, if Ryan Jack is getting sent off for having his feet stood on, and if Ryan Jack is getting sent off for being grabbed round the neck by Anthony Stokes, neither of them violent conduct, what the fuck is going on? Now, I think that I'll play devil's advocate here a wee bit. I, I agree. Hoggy, I think, there has identified, Alex, that this is blatant anti-ginger racism. And I think we would all agree with that and say that it must be it must be stamped out, um, especially on the ginger prince. But referees, I believe, can say that something isn't violent conduct but is, in fact, ungentlemanly conduct and you can get away with only giving a yellow card for that. So, for instance, standing on someone's foot, not stamping, but, you know, going over. Uh, we saw that at the weekend on Match of the Day when a player just goes over and kind of stands on the other guy's foot deliberately but not in a violent, you know, not in a stamping way. Um, and I'm sure we have all had that happen to us at a corner kick at one point. Or, Hoggy, you've bound to have done it several thousand of time <laughs> in matches. But that, if the ref sees it, he would more than likely say that's ungentlemanly conduct, which basically appears to be, you know, you're, you're being a bit of a narky twat rather than you're at it. But I don't see how a kick and a swing of the arm into a, an opponent can be classed as ungentlemanly conduct because they are both acts, no matter how well per, you know how well the guy undertakes them, if he lands it or not, they're still that that fall under the very wide ranging header of violent conduct and they should be dismissals. But let's 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 imagine for a wee second, David, that this coming Sunday, um, let's take any Rangers player. Let's call him Alfredo Morelos. Boots Kieran Tierney in the balls and then follows it up with a swinging punch to the balls. Is that one yellow card or two yellow cards? Um, probably just one straight one. But, yeah, I, I know what you're saying and everybody agrees with it. That's the thing. But we, we don't seem to ever highlight it now, Alex. You've been on here before and you've said there's no point highlighting it, it doesn't do any good. In fact, it's just as likely to turn the refs further against you than it is. But in an instance like this, where Rangers have had two instances in a week, is there not a difference between highlighting you know, bad referees or trying to control the narrative, as Hoggy says, and, and simply saying publicly, we have these two incidents, we would like to know why these are not just for future you know and, and at least introduce it into the conversation because out with Rangers fan this isn't being spoken about and this is not something that, that is getting any attention and because Rangers have won the two matches they, they, they didn't particularly affect the outcome of the two matches they've both been kind of forgotten about I don't think they should be I think Rangers should be coming out and saying these two incidents to us look like red card offences. We can't understand why they're not. Could the SFA explain to us quite what the decision-making process is, as other clubs have done in the past? And that, that I think, at least brings it to the front and at least makes referees think, actually, I can't get away with what, what I do genuinely believe as a sort of... Ah, Rangers are much better than them anyway. I don't want to be too harsh on them. It's just Falkirk or St Johnston are getting pumped here. I'm not going to send them off. I think that it, it might act as a reminder that 
no, I'm sorry, there are rules and you have to apply them. That is your job. It might, yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm quite... Uh, quite uh, I can't think of the right word. I'm a bit of a dick with this argument. Um, it's probably the best way to describe it. Uh, I can see both sides of it, trust me. I think that I'd be very surprised if there's not been a, a phone call or, 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 some, or some sort of contact with the SFA to ask why was that only a yellow card from the club whether they would, whether it's best to do it publicly I don't know the, my reason is David you said there no one else is talking about this but Rangers fans they're not go well if they are going to talk about it it's not going to be in any sort of balanced rational way when we see it you know mm. I just feel as though if you're going to start a conversation about refereeing in Scotland Rangers are the wrong people to start that conversation because we don't, we don't get a, a fair hearing from anybody so, you know, I think all clubs should be asking some serious questions about it because all of them have struggled with in some way this season through some horrendous refereeing. But unfortunately, if we bring it up first, it's only going to just turn into a look at look at the accounts morning, you yeah. know. Um, no, I, I understand so, that. But even from that point of view, I still think it's worth doing just. As I say, so that, that if it becomes public regardless, the SFA, I think, will say to the referees, you know, look, rules are rules. We understand that maybe, you know, human emotion has overrode your decisions there, but you need to apply, if it's a red card, even if a team's getting pumped, you need to do the red card. That is the only kind of benefit I can see happening. I don't expect... The problem that we have is, and we can talk about this over and over, and we will, but until the SFA fundamentally look at the standard of refereeing in this country, we're going to keep having these these conversations. Because over and above whether or not you believe referees are referee Rangers in a different fashion, and I know that all three of us do believe that Rangers are refereed to a different standard than other teams... I watched the games on Scotsport this week, I don't normally, and I saw some ludicrous decisions in the other games as well. There was a man, John Beaton, of course, with his penalty given to Celtic for a foul on the halfway line. There was the Motherwell game with a goal incorrectly disallowed for Motherwell. There are bad, bad game-changing decisions happening all across Scotland um, in matches which have absolutely no effect on Rangers or Celtic, so it's not that. It's because the standard of refereeing is utter toilet. There's that as well. I actually think the first step for me, because we don't have the cash in this country to turn referees professional, or it doesn't look like we do. Um, so, so you know that would be the, the biggest step. That would make a difference. It's never going. Nothing's going to be perfect, but that would make a big difference. But I think a kind of intermediate step would be to allow referees to explain decisions, or at least, you know, maybe not directly, but they've got to write a report after the game. That, that's going to have that yellow card mentioned and the reason for the yellow card release that let the fans know what the referee's thinking was and if it just turns out it was flawed wrong thinking and he's seen something that we haven't and the replays have given us the benefit you know, of, of a much better decision then at least we'll be able to turn around and say okay he just fucked that up but that's now two decisions in a row where you have to ask if they're not seeing that as violent conduct what the hell are they seeing mm. Because and, and we will and we'll never know. We'll never be told, uh, and that just you know that then just makes the whole debate meaningless in many respects. Because you know one side's not able to engage in it. No, that's a fair point, Hoggy. Um, you know me, David. I'm, I'm a I I think Rangers, especially this season, have been refereed a different standard. Uh, I'm a big one for wanting to try and control the narrative. Um, and by that I mean I like this stuff and if it sows seeds of doubt so that these things aren't happening or folk think twice then great um, I'd like what what I don't want Rangers to do however is come out with Bertie or Jimmy Nicol all guns blazing in the press conference with a negative spin saying that was so shit because because then I think what Alex saying is, is, is true that's how it would be picked up immediately Think how we go about it to introduce it as a topic is you actually almost spin it positively with the upcoming game on Sunday. You talk about the decisions that have gone against us and clearly two potential but not game-changing decisions over the past couple. You hope the referee, whoever he is, has a smashing game and 
nothing like that occurs. And it just starts to sow it into people's minds, but you're doing it in a positive way. Well, I think that the, the overriding concern here is David Bates's balls. Because yeah. can you imagine the state of them by now? I mean, they will be purple. And, I mean, downstairs is going to look like a 70s carpet when you consider his, you know, already red-headed status. Uh, when you, you fire in big, purple, shiny bruises as well. And I think Rangers are quite within the rights to release a picture of David Bates's testicles and say, would you look at the state of this this young lad's, um, you know, his, his testes? We need protection for our centre-half's crown jewels. Wait, can, can you imagine on Christ? You remember the outcry and uh, David on the Patreon site, you and uh, Happy Jack did the Gaza, uh, the, the, the Gaza shows, which were superb. And you talked about him playing the flute at Parkhead or playing the imaginary flute. Can you imagine David Bates scoring the winner and down come the shorts? <laughs> and all you, all you see is orange and purple. <laughs> Fucking mad. <laughs> I think as well that the, the the players should do. You know, like it's becoming fashionable that when a player gets injured, the rest of his teammates wear t-shirts saying, you know, like, don't give up, yeah. and you know you'll be back from your hamstring injury in three weeks. That kind of thing. I think our players should take to the field saying, we are all Bates's balls. And That's a fantastic idea. I think I them in the shops. Yeah. Yeah, we are all Bates's balls. Get behind it, folk. There, there's a hashtag Bates's balls or Bates balls because that extra s is just going to confuse things. Bates balls. We are all Bates balls, and uh, we're we're behind your nuts, David. I want you to know that, son. I want you to know that we are 100% in lockstep with uh, the contents of your shorts. Now, moving on, we have two sele- uh, selection dilemmas, lads. I think for this upcoming game. Uh, the news, very early news obviously, um, about the, the two injuries, main ones being Declan John and Jamie Murphy, is that Rangers are pretty hopeful, I think, if you listen to Graham Marty yesterday, um, that that's the, the the talk that was being put out uh, across the media, that they're very hopeful that John and Murphy will come back. So let's just imagine for a second that that's the case, right? John and Murphy are, are playing. I think that only really leaves two spots open because I think the rest of the team is picked if that's the case. Would we agree then that the back four, if that was the case, uh, Wes will obviously be in goal, the back four will be Tav on one side, John on the other, and then the centre-back positions we're just about to talk about. Doherty and Goss will play midfield, Candias and... Uh, Murphy will play wide and Windass will be a second striker would we both agree or would you both agree that that is likely those positions are in fact nailed down for next week definitely 100% yes right centre back um, let's let's kick off with a more contentious one now Bruno Alves played yesterday and I thought he looked uh, very rusty I thought he looked slow uh, I thought he looked great in the air, he always does, but I thought he looked cumbersome. I thought he drops far too deep to cover for what I suspect he realises is a lack of pace, and he confused the rest of the defence several times who kind of didn't know whether to go with him or stay further forward or whatever. And he gave away several stupid free kicks repeatedly that a better team would have punished. I think Russell Martin will come back in. I think Bates is already selected and I would probably agree with that. But, Alex, you said earlier today to me um, that you felt that Alves is the best centre-half at the club. Although you did say, and I will point this out in fairness, uh, that you wouldn't play him on Saturday because he's he's not fit enough yet. But I kind of don't know how you've arrived at that conclusion based on what we have seen, if I'm being totally honest with you. So, take the floor. Uh, it's been based upon games such as St Johnson away, if you remember the corner barrage game. Um, Hibs away, especially second half, when we were right under the cosh. I would say only the second half. I, I thought he had a very poor first half that night. He made one mistake, which was lighting a guy on side, 
Um, he then shepherded him out and forced him to play a ball back away 25 yards and then had to still be the closest person to the shot because everybody else stood about going, oh, what do we do? Um, and then there was Aberdeen at home where he strolled it like some sort of fucking god, to be honest. He he has he's had those games and I did say it's been less than a handful for his it's not been a huge amount. When he's fully fit, I believe overall he's our best defender. I don't think and I say this with, you know, all the love for Bates' testicles that we've we've shown, I don't think there's a huge amount of competition in there to say that. I don't think, you know, I, I'm not as critical of Russell Martin as a lot of people have been, but, uh, you know, I know that he's a, a, a good defender at his best. He's never been a great one, you know. Mm. Bates is still learning and he has some great games like he had when he came on against Celtic and some horrendous games like Kelly away, for example. That's just going to happen with him. The only other one that would be better would be McCrory and that's still to be proven because we've only seen him for, you know, less than a dozen games. So I just think that if he's fully fit, Alves is our best defender, but he is nowhere near fully fit at the moment. Absolutely nowhere near it. That was his first start of the year in uh, Sunday there, and it showed oh, it showed a mile away. Um, as you said, David, he was he was just off. He was off. He was he was a yard away from his pressing, which is why he's giving away the fouls, you know, because he's not getting out as quick as he usually would to a player or such. Like I, I seen when he gave away in the second half, and just from the angle I sat at. I could see Graham Murray, you know, in my eye line, and Murray was fuming with a daft foul that he gave away. I, I, I think you're right, there's no way Alves starts um, against Celtic because I don't think Murray was impressed by how he played at all. I don't want anybody going away from this and thinking that uh, Davy said that um, David Bates and Russell Martin are better players than Bruno Alves because yeah. I'm not, right? I'm talking about right now, this week, who is likely to put in a better display. And I just felt that he was, as I see, so far off the pace against a pretty poor side that I would have worried badly if it had been a better side who would have caused them more of an issue. And, I mean, Hoggy, you know that position well. I'd agree with everything Alex said, to be honest, that, yes, Alves, certainly, I mean, you cannot look at his ability whether he can still access that ability as he gets older, I don't know. I don't think we've seen it regularly enough for Rangers. But in terms of abilities, head and shoulders, the best defender that we are. But I don't think at the moment he can go into that, that match and offer us as much as the other two will currently. I posed a question to you guys on our... Um well, it's a group that shall remain under strict lock and key forever. Um, should Alves come back in? That was before yesterday. Um, I think his performance yesterday almost nails down Bates and Russell Martin. Russell Martin started OK. He's not exactly set the heather alight. I think the, the, uh, the, the, the last game at Ibrox that we played there... Um, we had, at one point in the first half, in the first 15 minutes or so, Alves trying to calm Martin and Bates down. Um, and I wondered how Alves would play yesterday after such a long layoff. And the answer, especially for the especially in the first half, was not very well. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's an absolute stick on David that it's, it's Bates, barring injury, it's Bates and Martin, unless Rangers get a kind of bounce game that's been touted uh, under their belts this week and Alves turns in, he's, he would have to turn in some performance, probably with 90 minutes, to have any shout of, of starting on Sunday. Mm. I mean, it is difficult because, of course, you're tempted. You know, it's Bruno Alves and you, you, you want to chuck him in. And there is, I suppose, the argument that a guy of his experience might thrive in that atmosphere. And also the fact is, you're right, it's not like... Martin or Bates have absolutely nailed a place that says yes I am undroppable so uh, I can understand the temptation but you're right I think that yesterday there was just too many rough edges that will get sanded off with more game time but it's too big a game too quickly in my opinion to bring him in Yeah you've got to consider the opposition as well um, Bruno Alves will win headers all day Probably until the day he dies, <laughs> let's be honest. 
right? The guy will be beating, you know, any player to a header at the age of 90, probably. But Celtic aren't going to get very, very, very many high balls played. That's not their game. You know, it's by a mile they're the least in the league for that sort of style of play um, or that sort of pass. So, yeah, he may have been useful with the set pieces, but, uh, you know, that's, that's all about a lottery anyway, in many respects. So, there's no need to, to bring Bruno Alves in thinking that we're going to get barraged with, with, with long high balls. It's not going to happen. And Russell Martin probably suits this game better, even taking away the fact that he's, you know, a good bat head in terms of match sharpness. Yeah. What what I would say, David, is whoever we pick at the back, they both have to have a good game next Sunday. Oh yeah. So simple as that. You know, the, the, there's there's going to be an element of almost good fortune about it that we've got to have two guys who are absolutely on it for ninety minutes. For me, it would be Bates and one other. Um, and it's. It's a bit of a toss-up, really, for me, between Russell Martin and Bruno Alves. Martin wins it simply because he's had more game time recently. Mm. Uh, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, I think that uh, will be the decision as well. I just, uh, I think Graham Murray's, in his view, his strongest team is the one that took to the field against Hearts. And I mean in terms of not with a long-term injury, guys, you know, your McCrory's, etc. I think that he feels with the current squad that is. But... The other position, which has become more interesting, clearly, is up front, where Alfredo Morelos had a very poor match. Jason Cummings scored three, and of course the clamour is to get him in. Morelos was awful, was, you know, missed good chances in the game against... I was going to say he was poor against Celtic last night. He wasn't, he played well, he just didn't score two glorious chances that he should have. But, in balance to that... Against St Johnston, he was absolutely superb. He was the best best player in the park, in my opinion. So, do you go and say, well, hat trick, hot streak, put him in? Or do you go, no, look at his all-round game, we know what he'll do, I'm going to stick with him. He, he's the better player and he's my man. What do you think, what would you do, first of all, Alex, and what do you think Graham Murty will do? I would play Morelos uh, and I'm convinced Murphy will play Morelos and the Cummings will be on the bench um, I also believe I suppose there's a couple of reasons there there's no guarantee you know just because Jason Cummings scored a hat-trick there doesn't mean he's automatically going to have a better game than Morelos in the next one you know that's kind of the flaw with that argument you know Morelos has had a, a very good consistent season the odd performance aside and unfortunately the game against Falkirk was one of those performances. But, uh, you know, there's every chance. He's got as good a chance of playing well as Cummings does, despite the fact that Cummings got the hat-trick in the last game. I would say, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, if you had those two options and you figured you wanted one of them to come off the bench and make a big impact in the game, Cummings is more likely to be a good impact from the bench than Morelos is. In my opinion. I think Morelos takes about 10 minutes to get fully into a game. And there are some players that don't make... But I don't mean that he doesn't do it. I just mean you can see him almost warming up. And, you know, he gets the elbows loosened and he gets his backside working and starts winning the ball. Um, And some players are good impact players. I think Cummings has got that in his locker. The other thing for me, why I would go for Morelos is I think his all-round game is better. So while the argument could be put forward that Jason Cummings is probably possibly more likely to get you a goal I think Morelos is more likely to be involved in moves that lead to goals uh, you know what I mean I think that we've got other goal scorers on the side as well as the main striker which we didn't have at Parkhead incidentally uh, as we saw if the, if the striker didn't score we were kind of fucked for goals that's not the case now especially if Murphy's back and I think that he's a better team player although I do think that in time, Cummings might prove to be the better goal scorer simply because I think he's a more natural finisher. I think at times you can see with Alfie that he's he's learning to finish a lot of the time. I think you can see that uh, in his development. But for me, just from a team aspect, yes. And also exactly what you say. I remember Hoggy and I discussing this uh, at the time on one of the pods where one of the things that really broke our hearts about that 0-0 draw was when it was clear that Morelos was not going to be capable of, of hitting a Kuzars with a banjo that day. We had nothing on the bench to bring on. Whereas 
the last thing Celtic would have wanted that day when we were on top would have been us being able to go on you go Jason you know and, and, and giving him 20 minutes and I like that that opportunity if we've got so yeah I, I would do the same Hoggy I mean would you would you do anything different? Nah I think um, it would be a clean sweep for me it would be Morelos uh, I think it, it's it's no surprise that Cummings seems to play well and scores goals when Morelos is in the team uh, I think we see sometimes Cummings when he comes on for Morelos can struggle a little bit because of this, because of the way that we've already talked about this, because of the way that we set up fast and direct and so on. Sometimes that requires the physicality, the ability to hold the ball, the the ability to bring the midfield or the wide guys into play. Morelos has got that in spades. Um, another reason I would play Morelos is when he does have a stinker, invariably his next game he has a top game. And we've seen that recently. Was it Thistle to um, to St. Johnson? Uh, was it Thistle? Thistle? I think no, it was. Hearts to St. Uh, Johnson it was. Hearts, Hearts to St. Johnson. Then. Apologies. So, so we saw that then. You know, against Hearts he was poor. Uh, certainly from a finishing point of view, St. Johnson top. He was poor, uh, poor against Falkirk. I would be expecting he'll be itching to go. However, Cummings will be itching to go as well. I just think he is. Uh, if if it's if it's a question of either or, then all the evidence points to Morelos has to start. Well, I think that people, some people will be listening, saying, "I why are you talking like it's either or? Why don't we play both of them?" I'll be honest. I think it's because there is no chance, not even a tiny minute chance, that they both play and Josh Windass doesn't. Maybe if Jamie Murphy doesn't play, Windass might go left then, possibly. But other than that, no. I, I, Alex, am I completely mistaken here? I just think there's no uh, chance to follow that. We've got five attacking players, and in many respects, we take a bit of a risk playing four from the start. Uh, and, you know, the fifth one is usually Jason Cummings on the bench. You know, those are the kind of five. A front four, a regular front four. Um, of late and then you know Cummings coming off the bench is, is, is the players that were, were looking to fit in somehow you can't play all five of them no way of doing that um, and then I, I think I think Cummings played quite well in the position yesterday um, I thought he was a bit better when he did switch with Morelos I thought Morelos was almost a bit more effective wide and Cummings was you know he got his first two goals from being in a central area uh, but I think Cummings was played there in the off chance, probably shouldn't have said the off chance, on the chance that, that Murphy doesn't make it. And then he might actually be tempted just to play Cummings wide left again um, and have a real go, rather than the other option, which would be, as you say, move Windass wide and maybe even bring in a midfielder and be a bit more solid as such. I think Murphy's made his mind up that he's going to have a real go at them in this one. So that was the reason for, for Cummings playing that position instead of changing the formation um, against Falkirk. That wouldn't, you know, gut me if Jamie Murphy didn't make it as the solution, but I'd be gutted if Jamie Murphy didn't make it because I think he's absolutely key to our chances of winning that game. I think his influence... I don't think we're completely screwed without him, but I'd feel a hell of a lot better with him in the team. I think everybody would, yeah. Um, from, from the minute he went off injured, there's been a a collective uh, praying uh, he makes a game hasn't there yeah. uh, from our fans so yeah there's uh, everybody wants him on the pitch and you know what Jimmy Murphy's the sort of player that even if he doesn't play well he'll have an influence on the game because you know he's intelligent he's movement he's attacking so the way he stretches defences and things like that um, they'll they've struggled at right back all season the person who they've played most of the season is suspended I'm not sure what they'll know the exact answer for how to deal with him on that side of the pitch. Now, moving on, uh, this week that we had a, a couple of interesting things that uh, pop up in the paper about these times before matches. That there seems to be a new fashion among among Tims uh, or, or ex Tims that you know they've got their greatest hits that they like to play at times like this. You know, when I was growing up in Cameroon. I, li- I listened to the BBC World Service to hear tales of Mark McGee and Davy Proven 
playing for the, the, the famous Celtic and when the aid truck arrived I was hoping for a Celtic Sabutio team that's one of their, their favourites a new one seems to be when I played for Celtic I was in terrible fear of my life which I kept under wraps for decades and never thought to mention up until you phoned me for this interview um, we, I'm sure of course that, that we'll all recall how Peter Grant had a golf ball thrown at him with a nail through it that unfortunately no one can seem to remember no papers seem to reference and there's no footage of which is odd you would have thought something like that would be noticed in a game at Ibrox I'd like to think I'd notice you know see if somebody threw a golf ball into the park I'd, I'd like to think I'd remember that yeah I'd like to think yeah. Unless unless it was a green golf ball with a green nail, you know, and and I'm I'm pretty to suggest that's maybe unlikely. It was, it was probably unlikely. Yeah, I don't like call Peter Grant a liar, but I will. Um, and then of course there was Didier Agat going to training in his armoured car. <laughs> who, who, which one of you guys remembers Didier Agat driving around <laughs> Glasgow, Milton the Campsie, and Lennox Town in the fucking Batmobile? <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah, Didier Agat, who uh, you may have seen, was couldn't couldn't even go for a curry um, at that time. But again, miraculously kept it under his hat all these years. Joe Miller, who of course was almost shot and killed in a match um, in in Belfast in the nineties that didn't take place by JFK's assassin, and uh, luckily managed to make it back to help Real Madrid to win 10 consecutive Scudettos and the latest one to join this this club is Pierre Van Hoydonk, former Celtic player of the 90s who left rather acrimoniously but is now back doing um, events as you know come meet Celtic legend Pierre Van Hoydonk. and I'm sure that's got nothing to do with this incidentally I'm sure it's totally unrelated he said that uh, it was scary someone once came to his door spat at him and ran away and another time that he uh, was sent razor blades in the post. Now, I've been sent razor blades in the post. It was a free offer from Gillette. I didn't take it as a threat on my life. I think he may just be confusing advertising and threatening behaviour. But this is bollocks, isn't it? Pretty much. Um certainly you know if you want to be kind to them and we don't want to be kind to them so uh so you can just ignore what i'm saying here but uh at the absolute best it's misremembering uh, um and if you want to be cynical or truthful about it it's just uh telling some stories hamming them up a bit to to sell some tickets to his his tour um do you know what i have no doubt that he took some abuse while he was here no doubt in my mind at all that's going to happen if they want stories, go and speak to Nacho Novo. Go and speak to Demarcus Beasley. Speak to these guys. They've got plenty to tell as well. But they haven't. Why have they not told them? Because it's just fucking par for the course, sadly. Mm. And they've just, you know, got on with it. Um, can't help but think, though. See, Van Hoydonk was a bit later at Celtic and he said that someone came to his door, spat him and ran away. If he was, like, in the 2000s, I would have fully expected that to have been Fernando Rickson. <laughs> I think the thing is, <laughs> sort of, he just he would have found that funny. I think those of us who remember uh, Pierre Van Hoydonk may have thought that if he was at a doorway and got covered in bodily liquids, then there'd be a more sinister story to it, and it wouldn't be spit necessarily that was dripping up down his chin at the end of it. But, uh, but that that would be un, that would be unfair. But Hoggy. I think he's. I think Alex has absolutely nailed it there. Um, it becomes scarcely believable considering. Okay, maybe he doesn't want to say it at the time. Years later, we played Feyenoord in the yeah, UEFA Cup, and he scored twice. Played very well against us. Um, he didn't mention it then. He did mention that Dick Advocat had tried to sign him for Rangers, but he didn't mention this at the time. And it does make me question whether or not it's true. So, Alex tried to be fair to the guy. I'll I'll be fair in my own way and call him a fucking liar. Um, I think if he's getting razor blades sent through the 
post. He's obviously subscribed to Cornerstone. Well done. And you've forgotten about it, Pierre. Mm. Um, I'm going to suggest that if someone had spat your face in your doorway, you'd have been all over the press about it. Because let's face it, back in the day when he was at Celtic, he was never out the fucking press. Um, back then, Hoggy, if somebody spat in his face at his door, given the way he left Celtic in the last three months of his time there, it was probably a Celtic fan. Indeed. So, um, And of course, after all these years... He just happens to be on an ex-Celtic player's circuit and making money from it. Call me a dirty old cynic, but Pierre, I think you're lying, mate. Much in the same way as I think DDA Batmobile is lying, the same way as I think Peter Grant was lying. And I must admit, the, the, the whole thing simply made me think of really the one and only uh, incident that we all actually saw when Paolo Di Canio was threatening to break Ian Ferguson's legs and then utterly shattered yeah, and away. Like so, yeah. you know, let, let's 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 play a straight bat, Pierre, and I think straight bat is probably <laughs> going, going back to your doorway analogy. It just, uh, why do they do this? I mean, what, how does Celtic... What's this weird culture because of oppression it sells, and victim? Not, not that, sells but why does it appeal to the Celtic support? I get why the papers print it, right? They're trying to stir it up. Of course, they would never do that. They don't want to see nasty scenes at the football. Very good, fuck off. But we know why they do it. What is this thing that Celtic supporters like? What This appeals to them. Why? What is this revelling in victimhood? What is this culture of oppression this fetish to be, if you like, you know, held under somebody's boot. I don't get it. I don't understand why they need to make this shit up and why their audience reacts well to it. If we came on here in tears every week complaining about how shit life was, it wouldn't be very successful. If in a Celtic podcast they did that and went, and it's because of the Huns, they would be top of the Apple charts. It's a weird thing I don't profess to understand. Help me. I don't think there is. I mean, it's just, I suppose from a psychological point of view, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a shield, you know? You can uh, blame failure on everybody else. Kind of like Alex Salmon's whole approach to politics, really, you know? <laughs> um, just this idea that it doesn't matter how many mistakes he made, it was all some big, bad person's fault anyway. Yeah. So it's just about a psychological shield. I think that's, part of why it appeals to so many and you know if again I'm, I'm being that hand ringer fair type it's not all Celtic fans it's just a very noisy number of them um, it's weird have you guys I'm guessing over the years you guys have maybe been to some some speaker dinners or, or such like mm, uh, yeah. I was at one recently and it was Murdo McLeod um, who was there telling some cracking stories and he was actually quite good but the difference is I know that he's hamming up but he's making it funny yeah you yeah. know he's, he's telling a couple of stories about McCoyst and Soonis and things that were funny stories and, and I know there's probably a bit of bullshit in there but you know they were a good laugh this is completely different you know if you're going to sell tickets for a tour then that's your approach then great but if you're going to do it like these guys are doing then you know as I say it's kind of ridiculous and I just don't have we ever had an equivalent you know, help me out, guys. You maybe know better than me. Have we ever had any player, past or present, at the time, come out and and, and give us equivalent stories to this? No, because no. I, I can't think of one. No, and, and as you mentioned earlier, Nacho certainly could. But Nacho comes out and talks about the things he does, he did for us, and maybe yeah. that is at the heart of it. But you know, Van Hoydonk doesn't have an awful lot of those stories, you know, because he he did. Stay for a bit and then fuck off acrimoniously. It was, you know, it was, to be on a Celtic Legends tour. Aye, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think the trade descriptions act there, um, which actually leads us on nicely to a final point. Hoggy, uh, this is one for all the the Celtic fans who will have listened to the end in the hope of being offended. Uh, you are going to be offended, but not in the way that you would like to be. Hoggy, UEFA. Yes. So UEFA, uh, UEFA published their uh, new outline coefficients, 
uh, and it follows the past 10 years, would you believe, all the way back currently to, I think it's 2007-2008. My God, that was a long season, 68 games for us. Um, And we're on it. But how? But how? Uh, Do you know, UEFA must have made a mistake because, you know, Jerry and Fergus and all the pals emailed UEFA continually, if you remember, <laughs> to tell them that we're a new club. So either UEFA have just fucking ignored them, or or it's a mistake. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing mistake, David. Alex, the switchboard operator in Neon today must have been busier than on the day that they came and arrested uh, Seth Blatter. It, it must have been non-stop. Can I speak to the guy that deals with this, by the way? Uh, Huns are pure deed, by the way. Uh, Continually for eight hours. And it's... I can only imagine right now what the crowdfunding is for. They're probably, as we speak, composing an advert in Arabic to go in a Dutch newspaper. I was just going to bring up the advert because... Explain to people who don't don't know, explain what that, that was. I don't remember the, the, the full ins and outs of this one because I just laughed about it too much. But um, as many of you will remember, Celtic fans commissioned two adverts, one in English, and I believe the other was possibly, was it French? French, French yeah. I thought so. Yeah, one in English and one in French to go on about that Resolution 12 and Rangers being a new club and, you know, just take the old save called Bingo. Um, and somehow managed to switch the languages around so that the English advert went into the French newspaper and vice versa, <laughs> making it a complete waste of time and money. And honestly, it's still my absolute favourite piece of safe coin because it, you couldn't have wrote that. You could not have scripted that. But if you if you put that in a comedy show, Peter, being like, there's no way anybody's that fucking stupid. Um, if you put Tim's in a sitcom, yeah. If you put Tim's in a sitcom. Then you're right. People just go, "This is this is so unrealistic. I can't get into it at all. It's just nonsense." And you're like, it, "No, it's, they, it's, they actually do this. This is sorry, how they behave." It's it's up there with uh, my all-time save co-favorite uh, from, and I won't mention the band of Nut Jobs, but their uh, their slogan was with Resolution Twelve, persistence. Beats resistance, oh, God, and they yeah. and they sold T-shirts with the rapiest sounding <laughs> slogan ever. It's kind of the anti-me too that one, isn't it? I mean, persistent <laughs> resistance. It's a, fuck, you wore that to the Oscars, which let's face it, if one of them had been working there, they would have. Um, that that would have got you lifted and, and deservedly so. You, you, look, Tim's listening. I can't believe how often I need to tell you this. You have no idea how high this goes. Okay, just. Learn your lesson. Go back to the gutter. Complain to other all the other sewer rats. This is not for you. It's beyond your understanding. Anyway, I think that will do us this week with a, a good old laugh at Celtic. We'll be back later in the week for a full, more tactical breakdown of the match on Sunday. Um, before I leave you tonight, just a reminder that you can get loads and loads of content. You've heard us reference some of it tonight on our Patreon site for just one ninety nine per month. There's tons and tons of stuff there over uh, 40 to 50 hours per month of new Rangers content and it's got all types we've got comedy shows we've got we had an absolute mess of a comedy show with us and Tammy <laughs> the other night that was Jesus um, that went up that wasn't uh, very funny but we've got look back at our classic teams classic players tactical breakdowns from Alex of the opposition tactical breakdowns of the post-match from tactical experts it's not me and Hoggy it's guys who know what they're talking about um, we've got all sorts and a daily news update as well just to keep you right up to date with what's going on with Rangers all that it means for me to do then is to thank our executive producers in London Mr Knightley and Mr Paul Miles to thank my guest tonight the wonderful Mr Ian Hogg thank you David as ever and uh, I'd just like to say I look forward to the meeting tomorrow night uh, make sure you uh, you wear that special shush, apron shush shush oh sorry shush sorry. shush it's a secret and of course the ever delectable Mr Alex Staff thank you David always a pleasure Thank you very much for listening, folks. We'll be back on Thursday. Till there, take care, and remember, UEFA approved. We are still the people. Bye.
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.